Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Another day has passed, and we are still no closer to a resolution between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Yes, I'm starting there yet again. You know what? Another day, no more closer to resolution than we were before. It's a bad thing, right? Maybe. And then again, maybe not. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. Remember, I had a conversation, a very, very good conversation with Andrew Brandt last week for the Jim Rohn podcast. Well, he writes for Sports Illustrated that some former teammates of Aaron Rodgers have spoken to him and do not think that the situation is as dire as initially reported. All right, so which is it, right? Has this bridge been blown up completely or... Are these former teammates right and saying, you know what, it's not as bad as it seems. While these former teammates are a lot closer to Aaron and that situation than I will ever be, it's my opinion, just my opinion now, do what you want with it, my opinion that this still is not good and not good good at all. And it hasn't been good since the Packers traded up and drafted Jordan Love in the first round last year. Like that was the mother of all unforced errors. That was the decision that required input from multiple people that set this entire thing in motion. And if they didn't know the chaos that it would unleash over the next few years, they're either really naive or they just don't give a damn what Aaron Rodgers thinks. I could say both, but it sure feels to me like the latter. Or to quote Andrew Brandt from last week's Jim Rome podcast, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Like, what are we doing like, here? What are we doing? What are we doing, like, man? What am I doing here? I mean, it's it's Aaron Rodgers. What are we like, doing what here? What am I here for? What am I here for? What are we doing here? Andrew Brand nailed that. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Because you do not draft a quarterback in the first round to let him hang out for four or five years. That's not how that works. You draft a guy in the first round because you want him to play. Better yet... You don't want him to play. You have to have him play. You have to know what you have in that quarterback before you decide whether or not to extend him. So it's not a thought and it's not a plan. It's a fact. It's practically a law right now in the NFL. And from the moment the Packers drafted Love in the first round after going to the NFC Championship game, they set all of this in motion. How could they know or not know that this was exactly how this was going to go? They had to know. And if they did know, then again, it's proof they don't give a damn about how Aaron Rodgers feels. So they couldn't have found this ain't worse than they did. Remember, they were coming off a loss to the 49ers in the championship game in which their defense had been gashed to hell by Raheem Mostert to the tune of 220 yards and four touchdowns. And instead of doing something, anything at all, to help that team get over the hump, either by getting help on defense or getting a wide receiver in a deep receiver draft, they instead draft a clipboard holder. They sabotage their franchise quarterback. They sabotage their franchise. They sabotage themselves. And now they've spent the entire offseason dealing with all this crap. And it's all crap that they brought onto themselves. And they just keep piling on more and more crap on top of crap. 
Because not only did they not help Rodgers by building up that defense or the offense, but what they did in effect was they put Aaron Rodgers on the clock. Because Aaron knows how this goes. You don't draft a quarterback in the first round and then just wait for the current guy to retire when he wants to. Like any great athlete, Aaron wants to go out on his own terms. Not many get to, but there are a few who've earned that right. He's one of the few. But he knows the franchise is not going to let that happen. The guy has never played better, and they still went and drafted his replacement. And believe me, if Love were ready, and he's not, but if he were, the Packers would probably play him right now. They would just drop Rodgers off at the curb with a sign around his neck, which reads, if you can haul it, you can have it. You think that's harsh? You think that that's off base? I'm going to tell you that's exactly how that guy feels right now. Then he goes out, he's the best player in the league last year, and now it's effectively saying, we're not running things on your timeline, we're doing this on my clock. We're not going on your clock, we're doing this on my clock. And you know what? He's right. Or at least, he should be right. If you're the best player in the league, and he was last year, you should control the timeline. And the team should be happy about that, because the team has the best player in the league. That team should want you around. That team should not be looking to use you and then dump your ass the first chance they get. If the team is about winning, they would realize that their best chance of winning right now and for the next few years is with their Hall of Famer at quarterback and build around that guy. But they didn't do that. And now here's where we are. Here the bleep we we are. And the the amazing thing is maybe... Maybe they still have a chance to make it right. Maybe. This is the time for the Packers to jump up and say, Oh, excuse me. My bad. Excuse me. My bad. And then chase that with a, My bad. bad. I called it wrong. wrong. My My bad. bad. And then throwing up, My bad. My My friend. friend. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because you did get it wrong. You got it totally and completely wrong. But the good news is, you've got the MVP as your quarterback. So maybe you can still get it right. You can say, hey, you know what, Aaron? We screwed up. We really jacked that whole thing up. But we're here to own it. Aaron, talk to us. What do you need for us to make it right? Do you need a new contract? Do you need a few more bucks? Do you need us to get a new GM? We'll do any of that and all of that because we know we have a window right here to win a Super Bowl, and that window is cracked open but only if you're a quarterback. So let's make this thing right. What do you need from us? Problem is, they're not doing that, are they? They're continuing to give every indication that they want him to be their quarterback for this year. Then they want to get rid of him, and then they want to make room for Jordan Love. So what does that mean? That means Aaron Rodgers is a seat warmer. You could not have disrespected this guy anymore had you tried. A seat warmer. You know who's a seat warmer? Andy Dalton is a freaking seat warmer. Jimmy G is now a seat warmer. Gardner Minshew was a seat warmer. The league MVP does not warm a seat for anybody. You're asking this guy to burn a year of his career for a franchise that does not believe in him and does not want him around long term. Why would that guy do that? Why? For who? For what? 
So when it comes to respect and appreciation, it comes down to whether or not Rodgers feels valued and appreciated for the unreal work he's done for Green Bay. And right now, obviously, he's not feeling that. And he's not wrong. Not if the team is preparing to shove him out the door next year and make room for a guy who has not thrown a single NFL pass and has not shown enough in practice to give the Packers the confidence to trade Rodgers right now. So Green Bay's got to figure it out. And they've got to figure it out fast. What does Rodgers want? What does he need? And then make it right. What does he need to hear from them to know that you respect him and value him? Because ever since Love's name was called at last year's draft, that respect, that trust has been obliterated. And maybe it was fracturing before that, but it got shattered on draft night. So you got to find a way to earn back that trust. You got to find a way to earn back that respect. Is it money? Do you have to get creative with your salary cap? Move some money around? Guarantee he'll be around? Man, fine. Do it. Do whatever you have to do. Also, finally, is it not about money? Is it more about personalities? Do you need to get rid of somebody in the front office? If that's it, great. Do that too. What's easier to replace? A guy, a guy in the front office or one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history? I mean, is it about a say in the roster? Do you need to bring back a wide receiver that he likes? Then do it. Do what you have to do. Is it about admitting a mistake and trading love? Good. Do that too. I'm not saying it's love's fault. But if that's what it takes, go ahead. Do that. Do what it takes to get it right. Show that you're about winning. Show that you're about valuing players. And show that you want to win a Super Bowl. Or just waste this season by having Rodgers play out the string in a place he knows doesn't want him and then let this circus and this drama continue for another seven months or more. The choice is yours. But based on how the Packers have handled the past 13 months, I'm pretty sure they're going to make the wrong choice. What are we doing? I'm pretty sure they're going to mishandle this, you know, the way they have for the past year plus. Hey, you know what? Small changes towards a healthier lifestyle can add up in a big way, but maybe you're not sure where to begin. Let me talk to you about Grove Collaborative. Running to the store has been pretty stressful of late, and there's nothing worse than forgetting something on your list and needing to make multiple trips. Shopping for home essentials should be easy and convenient, and that's where Grove Collaborative comes in. Healthy, plant-based, non-toxic cleaning products that work, and the good ones are actually more enjoyable to use. But where do you start and who do you trust? Grove Collaborative. Grove is the online marketplace that delivers healthy home, beauty, and personal care products directly to you. Grove Collaborative takes the guesswork out of going green. Browse the site for thousands of home, beauty, and personal care products, all guaranteed to be good for you, your family, your home, and your planet. So join over 2 million households who have trusted Grove Collaborative to make their homes happier and healthier, and shipping is fast and free on your first order. Making the switch to natural products has never been easier. For a limited time, when you go to grove.co slash roam, you will get to choose a free gift with your first order of $30 or more. But you have to use our special code. Go to grove.co slash roam to get your exclusive offer. That's grove.co slash roam. Terry Stotts is my guest. Terry, it's great to have you back. How are you, Terry? 
I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Listen, when you guys went 10-2 and two to finish the regular season and wrap up the sixth seed, I kind of want to go back to Sunday, if you don't mind. Given how well you were playing and how well you finished the regular season, what was the mood like in the locker room when that game was over? Well, you know, I think the fact that we won the game easily uh, was – uh, you know, took a little bit of the pop out of it. Uh, obviously, we wanted to win the game, and we were thrilled to, to clinch a playoff spot. But at that time, uh, you know, the the Clippers were losing, and it looked like we were going to play Denver. We were all set to play the Clippers. So uh, really the talk was more about getting ready for the playoffs rather than really enjoying the fact that we made the playoffs. No, I get that. In fact, I was going to ask you about that. You've got a few days before the start of the first round. So what do you do at that time? Like, are there things that you're working on or looking to install? Or is the bigger focus just making sure guys are rested after a grueling regular season? You know, that's a good question. We've, uh, we've had meetings about how to handle this. This is more days than anybody's ever had going into the playoffs. So um, you want to stay rested. Uh, you don't want to have any injuries, so I doubt that we do anything live as far as five-on-five or four-on-four or anything like that. But you want to prepare your team uh, at both ends of the floor. Obviously, the fact that we just played Denver, uh, there's some repetition involved with that. Uh, one of the questions is how much, how much live action do we do as far as running? How much running do they need over these next four or five days rather than just uh, resting and not doing anything? So I'm talking to my health and performance people and just making sure that physically that we're healthy and ready to go and then just doing all the preparation that you normally do going into the playoffs. Trailblazers head coach Terry Stoss joining us and then Terry about that matchup you mentioned you just played them it's not like you have not faced them the postseason in the past but it's a somewhat different Nuggets team as an example how different is Nikola Jokic now versus just two years ago and then how do you go about dealing with him? Well the first thing is uh that both teams are so much different than just a short two years ago. It, it's amazing. We Basically, four players on each team actually played in that series. When you take Murray out of the equation, Zach Collins, who's hurt, and Will Barton. So really, only four players played in that series two years ago. Um, the dynamics for their team has really shifted with Murray being out. Now Jokic is... Um, you know, he's the head of the snake. Everything goes through him. Uh, he facilitates. He makes his teammates better. Uh, obviously, he scores. He does all the things. He's a difficult matchup. And most of our preparation, defensive preparation, will be going to different schemes that involve him. We're talking to Terry Stotts. You know, Terry, that was going to be my follow. You actually beat me to it. I was going to say your team is also different. Damian Lillard said recently that it feels different. He said, quote, it's not like it's a young team just getting going. The way we're doing it is like a mature team. We're doing things that will give us a chance to win against any team in any setting. End of quote. Does that sound about right to you? And what's your reaction when you hear that from Damian? Well, I think it's very it's very accurate. You look at our starting lineup and the playoff experience that they have, uh, that our five guys have. Uh, Damon, CJ, obviously have been to the Western Conference Finals. Norman Powell won a championship, and was and he has been in the playoffs every year of his career. Robert Covington has experience, and then off the bench, obviously Mello and Ennis Canner has experience. The only guy who's really kind of new to it would be Anthony Simons. So. Uh, the experience, the age, Dame is 30. Uh, we are a veteran team, even though it, you know, you know how it is when you have kids, you just kind of see them as, as little kids, but they've, they've grown up and that's what our team has done. 
We're talking to Terry Stotts. I was going to ask you about Norman Powell. Like, so he comes in in late March, and Damian's been picking his brain because Powell does have that NBA championship. What does it mean to be able to bring in somebody who has that championship pedigree or experience? Well, it just brings uh, it brings it brings a uh, respect. Uh, you know, like whether it's Mello or Norman Powell, or when you have people that come in and who have been there, done that. Uh, that that just gives you the the respect factor and to see it being done a different way. You know, Norman spent his entire career in Toronto. Uh, they have a great program up there with Dwayne Casey and then later Nick Nurse. Um, you know, so they they had success. They had, uh, like I said, in the playoffs every year. So what his experience and his respect coming in kind of blends and actually uh, complements what we're doing here. Talking to Terry Stotts once again. You know, Terry, you and I have talked for so long and so many different times about Damian Lillard, but he was named the Western Conference Player of the Week last week. Over the years, we've talked about him so much and for good reason, but what's it say that when the team needs him most, he just delivers time and time and time again? Well, uh, that's what great players do. You know, that's what MVP caliber players do, and that's what he is. You know, he is. Uh, what LeBron does for the Lakers, what Steph does for Golden State, what Giannis does for Milwaukee, that's what Damian Lillard does for us and has been doing for, for years. So uh, it's, I don't want to say it's a luxury because he, he's a great player and we don't take it for granted and, and that's his job. But to be able to rely on him every year is, uh, is a coach's dream. That's what, uh, when you have a player of that magnitude who delivers every night, who doesn't take nights off, it, it just it permeates through the team you, know, you mentioned the Lakers and Golden State it's certainly Terry not your concern right now but man I mean how surreal is that the Lakers and Golden State in a playing game steps out of his mind LeBron's coming back trying to be healthy I mean what do you make of that just as somebody in the league the concept of a playing game or a playing tournament involving those two teams <laughs> well it's great theater more than anything else uh, it's great theater and um, you know the only the only thing that's missing is that if somebody lost, they're out of the playoffs. But uh, the fact that um, they are playing the two private, two more successful franchises recently that are in the in that situation with two of the biggest stars, it's um, I mean it's going to be great theater. I know I'm going to be watching. Terry, obviously, playoff basketball is a little bit different than regular season basketball. Defense ratchets up. How different is your team defensively since Nurk has come back? Well, it's been chronicled after, I think, over the last 12 games. Uh, offensively, we're, we stayed at a very high level, but defensively, over the last 12 games, I think we're 12th in the league. And that was probably, for us, the, the formula going into the season, that we were going to be an elite offense and an above-average defense. And if we were, that would put us where we need to be. So uh, with Nurk, he he makes an impact on for us defensively. He protects the lane. He's got quick feet. He blocks shots. Uh, he communicates, and he gives us confidence on the back line. So it's been it's been great to have him back. And then in addition to it, it's also uh, the addition of adding Ennis to your to your reserves and to your uh, off-the-bench rotation, which really helps us as well. You bet. Let me ask you one more thing. There was a rough stretch back in April. I mean, the season was grueling in and of itself, but a rough stretch in April where he dropped a few games in a row. Some of them were close games, so it wasn't like you were getting blown out, but it would have been easy during that stretch, you know, maybe not to write the course, and then the stretch continues, but you were able to stop the bleeding, get that thing turned around pretty quickly. How were you able to do that? 
Well, we got it together uh, on the road trip, and uh, we made a couple tweaks as far as rotation and uh, Norman Powell playing primarily at three and playing more three-guard lineups. Uh, but really, it was I think it was the will and the character of our players. And for as much noise as there was out there, I was – I was pretty certain that we weren't playing as bad as the five-game losing streak uh, may have indicated. We lost three one-point games to top teams. You know, one was to the Clippers, one was to Denver. So uh, I didn't think we were playing that poorly. We just didn't have uh, the wins to show for it. But, you know, going on the road and winning five out of six, and it's just like anything in this league, uh, things can turn on a dime. And confidence builds, and you get a little momentum, and you can build on it, and that's what we did. Terry, was was that a point that you made to the team, or is this team now veteran enough that nothing had to be said, and they knew that themselves? I think they do it themselves. You know, part of my job is sometimes to state the obvious just so that they know, but uh, we have a veteran team. They're very knowledgeable. They keep up with the league, and um, Dame and I have been through this, and CJ for that matter, too, is that uh, we've made good runs in the second half of the season after the All-Star break. We've made some runs to get us in better playoff positions or to make the playoffs. So this wasn't anything really new for for us three who had been through it. But um, I would say it was just um, the veteran aspect of the team and being healthy. Uh, we got we I think the injuries that we had throughout the season were kind of downplayed, which is fine. But the fact that we were healthy and Nurk wasn't on a minutes restriction, and you know we were able to play our guys. I think that helped us going down the stretch. Seems to me that's the most important thing, right? You want to make sure that you're going into the postseason as healthy as you can possibly be. So finally, if playoff basketball is so much different than regular season basketball, is there a switch? Is there a process? How do you make that transfer from one to the other? Because you know it is so much more intense and so different. Well, it is. It, I, I'm going to miss uh, the sellout arena. It's one of the best feelings in in the NBA is walking out two minutes before the game and uh, in game one or uh, whatever game it is and to a crowd that's really stoked. So you're going to have some, you're going to be missing a little bit of that, but you know, playoff basketball, you have rest in between games. You're able to play your best players a little bit longer than you do during the regular season. Uh, you have the chess match and the, and the defensive adjustments from one game to the next momentum changes. So it's uh it's, it's not as physically uh, fatiguing, but certainly mentally fatiguing. So you've got Portland and Denver in the first round. We've been joined by the head coach of the Trailblazers, nine years in, the Western Conference Coach of the Month for May, Terry Stotts, my guest. Terry, I appreciate you very much. Always good to have you on the show. Good luck in the postseason. Hope we can do it again soon. I know we will. All right. Thanks, Jim. Hey, you want to hear something absolutely amazing? Discover matches all the cash back that you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? No limit. In fact, it's even more amazing when you consider all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. That's where. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. Discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. I'm about to live vicariously through the big dog. Because maybe I haven't eaten anything that unusual or... Something that would lead to a conversation, but the big dog has. Remember how I've always been saying, offensive linemen are among some of the more interesting people in sports. You just don't get to talk to them. One, they want to remain anonymous. Two, people don't think to put a tackle or a guard or a center on the program. Three, they want to remain anonymous. 
But whenever I can, I try to put them on because it's a very technical position. They normally don't get that run. They're smart, and they show up in a good, good way. All right, so this guy right here, Ben Big Country Cleveland, is helping me make my point, my case. This guy was the Ravens, third-round draft pick out of Georgia. And with a gloss, like Big Country, you better be two things. You better be big. And you damn well better be country. And Ben Cleveland is both those things. He is big and he is country. How big? 66357. How country? Running on clean burning meat that he hunted and harvested himself. Now back in March at his pro day, Big Country looked really good especially shredded, so the media wanted to know, what's up, dude? What did you get into? How do you look like that? What kind of work have you been doing? Better yet, what kind of fuel have you been consuming? Big Country responded with, quote, the squirrel diet probably helped me cut a little bit of weight this offseason. End quote. Wait, what? I'm sorry, this behemoth of a man just said that he's on a diet of squirrel. Is this an NFL offensive lineman or the fake IRA? Romy, what's going on, compadre? I'm hosting a tailgate this Sunday for the Rams game. It's under the overpass on the 405. I do have possum, squirrel, and rats. And we're going to be grilling up those things all day long, amigo. You and the crew are invited. War me hanging up a bed sheet and acting out the Rams game with shadow puppets, and war me begging for change to bet on the Preakness. Ah! I gotta admit, compadre, that was actually pretty awesome. It's always funny in retrospect to think about what we ran at that time, and then I hear it back, and I think to myself, why would I run that call? That was one of the better calls. That should have gotten that guy a golden ticket, compadre. Amigo. Anyway, if you were going to put squirrel in a food category, like what category? Roadkill? How many servings of roadkill? How many daily servings of roadkill does the FDA recommend? Is roadkill in that weird food pyramid thing? So country was not lying back in March. In fact, the Ravens official team podcast followed up after he was drafted and then asked him what squirrel tastes like. It tastes like squirrel. I mean, I don't know how to explain it to you. (laughs) Some squirrels like down south, they'll taste like in South Georgia, they'll taste a little bit more nutty. Most of them up here, they, I mean, it tastes like squirrel. You put enough seasoning on it, you can make it taste like whatever you want it to taste like. But uh, very tricky animals to uh, to cook. They got really fine hairs on them, so it's really hard to, you know, get all the hairs off of them whenever you skin them. You know that whole line about there's a lot to unpack there? There's a lot to unpack there, and it's all awesome. Number one, big country sounds exactly like a guy named Big Country. Doesn't he? That's not Little City telling you that, quote, squirrel tastes like squirrel. And that squirrels are tricky to cook up because they have a lot of fine hair on them that you have to skin off. But 
if you put the right seasoning on them, they can taste like anything you want them to taste like. He also told that same podcast a story about the time that he stayed home from school as an eight-year-old and he hunted for breakfast outside his window. Staying home from school and, well, I'm bored. I'm kind of hungry. Let's find a squirrel. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking out our window. I seen two squirrels in the pine trees. So I raised the window up and I was like, it's, I mean, it's eight o'clock in the morning. My grandparents are still down there a hundred yards away from us asleep. I'm like, I don't want to go out on the porch and shoot this gun and wake everybody up. So I took, I literally laid, laid some pillows down in the floor, got my little 22 and I shot through the screen door on the window. I went out there and got the squirrels. And then I got to looking at the window and I was like, crap, there's two little bullet holes in there. I said, mom and daddy ain't gonna be happy about that. I took the window screen off of that window, put it in my bedroom and replaced out the window screens. Threw them with some hot grease and uh, made me some frozen biscuits. <laughs> Holy crap, this guy is a national treasure. Like squirrel omelet, yo. Most kids skip school and they do what? I don't know. They watch The Price is Right. Big country. He's at home, bored and hungry. And grandma and grandpa or mom and pa, whoever, they're asleep still. He's shooting squirrel through the window and frying it up in hot grease afterwards, but changing out the screens or the windows because there were bullet holes and put them in his own room. Dude, my man is smart. Hungry, but smart. And resilient. Like we've all been told all along, Wheaties would make us champions and pro athletes. Little did we know it's a hearty, balanced breakfast of fried squirrel that will fuel you to the highest and most elite levels. And you can spare me the emails and tweets about how, if that were the case, I Ray Craig should be Tom Brady if eating squirrel leads to an NFL career. So, after the Pro Day mention and the podcast, the squirrel diet really started to follow Big Country around. And over the weekend, he decided to set the record straight. This thing was taking on a life of its own. It was getting big. It was starting to spiral. He says he's not on a steady diet of squirrel. It's not that that's what he eats exclusively. He just eats it when there is no deer meat left in the locker you know it's, it's one of those things i don't know if it was a specific diet it's it's more so one of those things where you know you eat what you got in the freezer uh from the fall so you know had a few had a few squirrels uh freeze dried in there so you know get a little hungry ain't got no deer meat left fry up a squirrel or two and uh you know just just go eat that so like dry aged squirrel my man's like it's not like that it's not like that was the only thing that i ate I'll eat it if that's what's left in the freezer from the fall. I love this guy. Like, he's big country, and he's not apologizing for it. You call it roadkill, he calls it Thanksgiving dinner. Stuffed squirrel. If you think country is the only dude slamming tree rats, you're wrong. The Georgia Wildlife Department has got a webpage where they rank the five best squirrel recipes are you hearing what i'm saying there are recipes man i i am a little city because not only did i not know that you could eat squirrel i didn't know there were different ways to eat and prepare squirrel and even though i'm not a list guy you know i'm not a list guy 
I'm going to go ahead and read this on the air because it is so unusual. Coming in at number five, buttermilk fried squirrel with southern gravy. Fast food has its fried chicken war. Georgia has its fried squirrel wars. Number four, barbecued squirrel. Can you imagine having your friends over for a barbecue and you throw tree rat on the grill? Now that the world is uh, returning to normal, I can't wait to have a barbecue in my backyard and I can't wait to see the looks on my friends' faces when they see me queuing up some squirrel. Number three recipe, slow-cooked squirrel with veggies. Ah, now we're getting hobo fancy. Hobo fancy with it. Light the candles. Turn on some Barry White. It is slow-cooked squirrel night. Now now is when it really gets weird. I've actually been all right up until this. The second recipe, the second best way, squirrel casserole. Like, I'm not going to lie. Those two words together in the same sentence back-to-back sound pretty disgusting. I mean, I could puke right here and now. A squirrel casserole? You know what's worse than that? I can't even believe they went here. The number one squirrel recipe as rated by the Georgia Wildlife Department. And again, this isn't some whack job off on the side on some obscure website. This is the Georgia Wildlife Department. Their top recipe, squirrel Alfredo. Yeah, I think you can add the squirrel Alfredo and I'll do the math, all right? What? Squirrel ravioli didn't want any of that. Squirrel risotto was too over the top. Squirrel pizza is not a possibility. I'm pretty sure I'm going to yak right here. I was perfectly fine with this entire thing until I got to the part about the recipes. Casserole and Alfredo. Once those two things enter the picture, man, I'm gone. I exit. You can keep your squirrel pasta dish. I don't want it. Normally, I would not wrap something without first trying it. That's lame. You know, you can't go off on some kind of rant or tirade if you haven't had it or tried it. But I'm going to make an exception here. I'm not sitting down to biscuit and squirrel, squirrel and Alfredo, squirrel casserole, squirrel sando. I really don't care how you prepare it. Squirrel spread over toast. I'm just not doing it, man. And save your, hey, Rome, hey, Rome, you just don't get it. You're right. I don't get it. That's the whole point. I don't get it. I've got a backyard full of squirrels. I've never once looked in my backyard and thought to myself, mmm, squirrel. Mmm, Ambi. Mmm, squirrel. No, you're right. I don't get it. That said, your life, your palate, if it works for you, and apparently it works really well for the big dude. Ben, big country Cleveland, for getting lean and mean on squirrel. Man, do it. You do you. And somehow making big country gloss, that is like the understatement of my entire life. Big country. Man, has there ever been a more appropriate gloss for a guy than that? And I don't even mean Brian Reeves. I mean, this dude is the real big country. He looks it. He sounds it. He plays like it. He's awesome. Just he and I are never going to break squirrel. We will never sit down and break squirrel. Eat up, my man. 
Clearly it works for you. It tastes like squirrel. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. That's weird, man. That squirrel tastes like squirrel. Talking hockey, that's how. I the love Stanley Cup hockey. playoffs are different. They just are. It's different than any other postseason. I could argue, and I have argued, it's better than any postseason. But there's no arguing it's different than any postseason. Because there's an intensity throughout every single shift. Every, not even every game, not even every period. Every single shift. From the second the puck drops, and that kind of energy, that intensity cannot be matched, I don't think, in any other sport. To me, it's not even something to debate. It's just a fact. Last night, the puck finally dropped for the start of the Colorado Avalanche's run towards Lord Stanley's Cup against the St. Louis Blues. St. Louis. St. Louis Blues, head. St. Louis. Alvin, man, is your bleep just breaking down? St. Louis Blues. St. Louis Battlehawks. Congratulations on the third try. St. Louis Battlehawks. St. Louis Battlehawks. No, big head. It's the Blues, not the St. Louis Battlehawks. Battlehawks. You can tell things were going to be different. The Blues, not the Battlehawks. St. Louis Battlehawks. We're coming for blood early. Avs captain, Gabriel. Landis Cog was more than happy to oblige, and I mean obliged, by giving Braden Shen the hands after he took a run at his line, line mate. Landis Cog and Shen. Right by Landis Cog. Right by Landis Cog. He's right in the right. His lid is off. A cover run by the captain. Oh, he's screaming right on Shen's head. Down goes Shen to the ice. King Landis Cog just went to town on Braden Shen here in period number one. What he did was he went to town on his face. You know that whole thing about, yeah, it's different in the postseason. Guys don't fight. They can't afford to. Yeah, yeah, wrong. <laughs> That's a tone setter. How was that for a tone setter Avs fan? A whole lot of that. Heavy, heavy shots. Thrown, connected, and landing. You see, Pierre Maguire said as much yesterday. Remember, like Pierre Maguire said on this show yesterday, the Blues, not the St. Louis Battlehawks. St. Louis Battlehawks. The Blues only shot at hanging with, beating, or staying with the Avs. Superior speed in this series was to neutralize it and slow them down with extreme physicality. Let's just say Colorado was well aware of that tactic, and they answered the bell early on. They answered the bell early, and then they did what they do. They skate well, they blaze right by fools, and they put the puck on the net all night long. And I'll tell you what, credit to Blues, not Battlehawks. Big ups to Blues goalie Jordan Bennington for keeping that game close as long as he did, but with the amount of pressure that he was seeing from the Avs, that was only going to last so long. It was only a matter of time before Colorado started to cash in these opportunities, and they finally did break through in the third, led by their superstar, Nate McKinnon. Right wing, and got tied up by Scandella. A bit of a late play there, but there's no interference call. Front shot! Score! Side. 30 seconds 
seconds into the third. The Avs have taken a 2-1 lead. Rishon wide of the net. He'll get it back. Pops it into the far corner. Miko all the way to the point. It's Gerard. McKinnon one-timer. He scores! It might have been deflected. Nathan McKinnon let it fly from way downtown. And Gabe Landeskog was hovering in the low slot. Pushed so. up toward the point. The Avs put up three goals in the third period. They win that game 4-1, game one. Colorado gets 50 shots on net. That's what they do. St. Louis just 23. Blues fan, I know you have a championship pedigree. I know all that. But keep this up, and this is going to be a very short series. And nobody is going to be singing Gloria anytime soon. Glory, Gloria! Gloria! Gloria, I think I got your number, Gloria. Talk about a sniper. How about Brett Hull? Speaking of championship pedigrees and a mother of a first-round matchup, how about Boston v. Washington? I'm talking a lot of hockey, and it feels so good. It feels so good to talk hockey in the jungle. So Boston, Washington. Look, of all the series that are going on right now, this one might be the best. Both teams have a real shot at winning the entire thing, but they've got to match up early on. This is how much I love and I respect these teams and these organizations. And credit to Caps Netminder, Craig Anderson. My man turns 40. He turns 40 this week, and he was on his head last night. Got into a rhythm, stopped 38 consecutive shots from Boston. That is, until Taylor Hall found a loose puck and put it past him to tie the game late in the third. Taylor Hall, past Carlson. Hall cutting wide, centered past Smith, looking for it. Anderson looking for it. Hall takes a whack at it, they score! With 2.49 remaining, the Bruins tie the game at three. All right, so once again, another reason why the NHL postseason is unlike any other. I'm talking about incredible action from the very jump. This is not like the conference final. This is not the Stanley Cup final. We're talking first-round action. And Bruin fan, how big does that Hall trade look right about now? I love it. And what a clutch goal. They would force another overtime period. Yes, another overtime. This series here is going exactly how I thought it would. Couple of games, couple of OTs. This time, though, in the extra period, look who was right there. Instead of Washington clutching up, the face licker himself, Brad Marchand did. And quickly. Krejci keeps the puck alive in the Washington zone. Rizlik slides it across. Score! Marchand wins it. 39 seconds into overtime. The Bruins have tied the series at one game apiece. The face licker acting like there were other faces to be licked. And he had someplace he had to be. He called contest. Ends it quickly. Series ties at one. Or tied at one. You see, in years past, the old face licker would have been thrown off his game last night early on because he was having a tough time. He was struggling early on. Struggling, struggling, agitating, and probably licking. Struggling and agitating is only the liquor can. But he's different now. He's matured now. Am I right, coach? There's way, way more good than bad. And I think he wanted to drag us into the fight, uh, and we needed it. Uh, I think he's matured enough now to not take himself out of the game. Maybe that would have been a game in the past. He would have let it get to him, and he you know, wouldn't have been an effective player. But he found his game, 
and uh, certainly was a big part of the win, obviously, with the overtime winner. You hear that? Are you hearing that from his own coach? More good than bad. Brad Marchand has matured just enough. Never thought that I would see the day. Honestly, I don't even know if I like it. But it was effective. I'm telling you, Washington v. Boston is can't-miss hockey right now. Hell, the entire Stanley Cup playoffs can't miss puck. This series, though, really is something else. Come on, liquor! Come on, Jim! Come on, liquor! Come on, Jim! Hey, your team needs you right now. Keep stepping up, and then we all win later on. If this guy, if this guy really has evolved and matured and can stay within himself and not lose his head... And not start licking people. We could get a great, great moment not that far down the road. I'd like to uh, ask my liney right here, Marshy, to come over. No, thank you, fellas. A professional athlete. A grown man. Licking other professional athletes to get them off their game. Man, it didn't get any better than that. This is a big face liquor house. This is a big Stanley Cup playoff house. And I know I'm not the only one. Hockey fan, where are you? I know the jungle loves them some puck, especially this time of year. Get up in here. Sorry that I could not deliver on a a player licking another player last night. There's still amazing action. First round action. Nothing like the Stanley Cup postseason or playoff. Jeremy Chin is my guest. Jeremy, it's good to have you on. How are you? What's up, Jim? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Dude, I'm great. I don't know that I've ever had that long of an introduction for a guy coming off a rookie year. You got a lot done last <laughs> year. A lot done. So why don't we start right there? Take me back. It was a few weeks after you had been drafted by Carolina. You knew where you were going to play. What was life like for you at this time last year as you were getting ready for that huge rookie season? Yeah, it was a lot different than what it is right now. Um, I was still, you know, back at home. You know, all the rookies, they couldn't come out not to what their their city yet. So I was actually at home, you know, in, in virtual meetings on my mom's kitchen table. How weird was that? I mean, how weird was that? How challenging was that? How different was that? Uh, it definitely was challenging just because I was just so eager just to get to Charlotte, get to Carolina, and actually start, you know, getting on the field, playing football. And, you know, Ricky Minicamp was a lot different, so we actually couldn't really experience that. So, uh, I was definitely eager just to be able to play football again. So that was probably the biggest challenge. Jeremy Chin's joining us. You know, I made a point off the very top to say that you were a Carolina Panthers football player, and that was by design. That was not an accident. You played safety in college, and then you spent a lot of time at Sam linebacker last season. So do you think of yourself as a safety or a linebacker or maybe something else? Uh, I mean, really, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't even <laughs> give myself – uh, really a position. I, I, I play a lot of things. I can do a lot of different things on the football field, whether it be uh, just safety, uh, linebacker, uh, moving around, you know, from, from inside the box, outside the box, playing deep, playing close to the line of scrimmage. Um, that's one thing I, I pride myself and pride my game in, just be able to move in, in different spots and play different things. 
Right, so that makes sense to me, but I'm curious, what was it like to go from safety to linebacker, especially Sam linebacker, a position that you had never played before arriving in the NFL? What was that part of the transition like? Yeah, it was challenging. There were, there were definitely some things I had to overcome just as far as how I was moving, um, how I was reading you know, offenses from a different perspective because, I mean, like you said, I never played linebacker ever in my entire life. So coming in and, and playing a new position and, and being in a different spot, uh, there were definitely challenges along the way. I mean, Jeremy, there's so many things you have to learn and so many things you can never expect when you make that jump from college football to pro football. And then you go out and never mind a position change. Never mind doing it during a pandemic when you don't have all the normal in-person meetings. You go out and you lead all rookies in tackles and you're the only two-time defensive rookie of the month last season. Given everything that you went through and was at stake, how much pride is there in the way you showed up and had the kind of season you had last year? Uh, yeah, I mean, looking looking back at it, you know, it, it's cool seeing the things you know I was able to accomplish you know, individually. Um, but you know, there, there's a standard that I hold myself to, and uh, I mean, if you ask me, I, I I would say that there's things that I could have done better and could have done more. So um, you know, this year I'm definitely excited to take those steps and continue just to progress as a player and um, just keep moving forward with my you know ability and what I'm able to do on the field and you know not just on the field but off the field as well. Jeremy Chen is joining us. I mentioned some of these stats, but against the Vikings last year, you had that one amazing sequence where you had a fumble return for a touchdown, then you guys kicked off, and then you had a fumble return for a TD on the next play from scrimmage. What do you remember about that amazing sequence? Yeah, so um, the first the first touchdown, I remember Zach Curry came in, had a, had a great uh, pass rush, and ended up getting pressure on, um, on Cousins. Ball came out. I was kind of floating over the running back, and I uh, just kind of blitzed it back a little bit. Uh, he protected, so I just kind of, you know, came up. I saw Kirk uh, Cousins was under pressure, so, um, you know, I had a feeling maybe if the ball comes out, I'll just be there for it, and, you know, that that happened. So I went and scored, and actually uh, I, I dunked the ball. And after I dunked it, I came back to the sideline, and uh, Coach Rule, he said, hey, like, you can't dunk it. You know me, I, I wasn't really thinking anything of it. I was just excited to be in that zone, so. Uh, all my teammates were, like, you know, excited, whatever. Tell me, yeah, you're gonna get fined for that. So, uh, on the sideline, Coach Rui said, "Hey, like, if you, then you'll have to, you'll have to work next week during the bye week." So I was like, "Dunk it again." So as soon as he said that, I was like, "Again, I guess I'll be in the end zone again." So uh, next play, I saw an opportunity. Um, uh, running back was just he was wrapped up, so I just came in. Hole, just went for the ball, just whipped it out. I got a perfect bounce and just took off with it. Man, you should have taken off from half field and thrown one down and then hung from the rim. Easy for me to <laughs> yeah. say, I'm not paying for it. But like when you make a play like that and you're caught up in that moment, obviously, right? Obviously, you don't yeah. want to legislate the emotion out of the game. You mentioned Coach Rule. What was he like to play for? What's he been like to play for? Yeah, I, I love playing for Coach Rule. Um, you know, just his mindset. Uh, he's, he's the same person every single day, and, and that's something that, you know, it, it definitely says a lot regardless if we're, you know, we're winning or, or losing. He's going to be the same person. He's going to always take accountability, um, and he does what's best for us. So uh, he's somebody that I love playing for, and I'm excited to continue to play for. Jeremy Chin joining us. Listen, you had a season that was almost unparalleled, like one of the great, great rookie seasons ever. But despite that fact, you were not named Defensive Rookie of the Year is it something that bothered you? Do you feel like you were somehow overlooked? How are you treating that? Yeah, I definitely feel like I was overlooked. Um, coming from the situation that I came from, uh, coming from a small school, uh, late second round pick, 
I mean, there's, there's always going to be those things, those factors that, that come into, um, you know, those decision-makers' mind or whatever. But, um, you know, it's definitely motivation to continue moving forward. I know that I've got my name on some radars now, so I'm going to take advantage of that, having, you know, this opportunity now. Um, you know, definitely set me up to put me in a good position moving forward. Jeremy, I want to tell you something that really impresses me. I, I'm not – it's not very often you see vets talk about rookies, and you're no longer a rookie, of course, but vets talk about rookies the way the vets on that team talked about you. I could pick any number of quotes, but as an example, to hear Whitehead said, quote, we all ask ourselves, are you playing with the same intent or the same tempo as 21's playing, end quote. I mean, that's amazing. He's talking intent and tempo rookies usually are not the tone setters but you definitely were that last year is it something you came into the league intending to do or did it just happen uh yeah i mean i, I wouldn't say it just happened that's that's always the way i've been playing the game uh, that's the only way i know how to play the game um that's at 100 percent. so uh if i if i'm doing something i'm, I'm gonna do it at the, the the highest ability that i know how to so um, it definitely means a lot coming from the older guys. It was definitely encouraging hearing hearing those words and talking to them throughout the season. It definitely, you know, kept me going and kept me motivated. So, uh, no, it says a whole lot. I mean, Dante Jackson talked about how your approach is contagious. He talked about your motor. He talked about your energy. He said that it makes him and the other guys want to go harder when they see you run past on film. I mean, again, really, really high praise. What about the vets? Who were some of the vets that you leaned on and learned from last year? Uh, really a handful of guys, um, you know, from Shaq Thompson to, to Trey Boston to Dante Jackson to here Whitehead, you know, all the way to J.J. Jansen. Um, you know, being in the same building with Luke, I was able to pick his brain a lot as well. Um, you know, K.K., Juan Short, uh, really really any guy who would, you know, take the time and talk to me, I would, I would just try to pick all their brands and just take certain things from each person. Jeremy Chin, joining me for a few more moments. All right, so what about the defense overall? They added some talent in free agency and the draft. What are you expecting to do as a unit this season? Like, what is the upside, the ceiling of that defense look like to you? Yeah, I don't even think we have a ceiling right now. Like, the future, it looks so bright defensively. We have so many guys that can come in and play multiple roles. Um, you know, our, our DBs, they can play. We got DBs that can play inside, play outside. You got, you know, edge rushers that can stand up with their hand in the ground. Like there's, there's so many different possibilities. I know Coach Snow is gonna have a field day with it. He's gonna he's gonna put us all in great positions to make plays and, and you know, get after the quarterback and stop the run. So uh, you know, I, I can't even say there is a ceiling right now. I'm I'm just excited to get to work. All right, so what about that? You put in the time. When you have a rookie year like you had and you did things that had never been done before, what's the next step look like for you? How do you build on that season? Yeah, um, you know, just finding the ways that I was attacked last year, that's, that's the biggest thing, um, you know, finding my weaknesses, recognizing them, and, and continuing to work on those things. Um, there was a lot of uh, great plays, you know, on last season, a lot of great things that I did, but there were also learning points and things to learn from and things I can do better. So just taking those things and, you know, making my weaknesses my strengths. Tony, with some kind of rookie season, he is a player, quote, a player for the Panthers because they move him around, ask him to do a lot of different things. The 64th pick overall in 2020 out of Southern Illinois. And again, the Panthers open up against the Jets on September 12th. Jeremy, great to have you on. Really appreciate the conversation. Let's do it again in season if you don't mind. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate you, man. Of course. Good night now!